Hello ninjas and ninjets and welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen, head ninja at Exposure Ninja and best-selling digital marketing author. In this episode, I am honored to be joined by Khalid Saleh, one of the originators of conversion rate optimization. In fact, Khalid is such an originator, he's such a daddy of CRO, that his company, Invesp, was one of the first two companies ever to specialize in CRO. Now, he's worked on some awesome, massive campaigns, and we're going to be digging into some of those campaigns and hearing some stories from the front line of, you know, big brands like eBay. But he's also got plenty of actionable advice for smaller companies as well. So uh, I think you're going to get a lot out of this. Obviously, conversion rate optimization is, is something that's really important to every website, because if we're getting traffic, we may as well turn that traffic into customers. As always, if you want some free help and advice to improve your own website's performance, then head over to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review and fill in a few details. And one of our expert digital marketing team will prepare a 20 to 30 minute video review showing you how you can get more leads and sales from your website. They'll take a look at what your competitors are doing and map you out a custom plan which you or somebody else can follow to improve the uh, the results that you're getting through your site. Anyway, without further ado, let's get stuck in. Welcome to this episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. We've spoken about conversion optimization on the podcast before, but I'm really honored today to be joined by a true CRO heavyweight, Khalid Saleh is the daddy of CRO and he's worked with some of the world's biggest sites to help them turn more of their visitors into buyers. Today, Khaled and I will be going through and having a look behind the scenes on some of his high level campaigns uh, with some well-known brands. And then we'll talk about what listeners can take from these and how you can be improving your website's conversion rate using the principles that he's developed. Khaled, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tim. Glad to be uh, on the show. Cool. So you've been in CRO a long time, haven't you? Oh, we've, uh, we're the second or third company in the U.S. to focus uh, solely on conversion optimization. We've started back in 2006. And I remember back then, we're talking about like almost 11 years ago, uh, when we used to talk to VPs of marketing, to CEOs about conversion optimization, CRO, they would have this very puzzled look on their face. They're like, what? SEO, social media? And we're like, no, 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 it's CRO. It's something else. You're eventually going to get it. So... It, t- it took a while, but nowadays everybody understands the importance of CRO. That's crazy. So it wasn't even really a, a thing yet. What made you get started with it? And, and how did you know that this would be something which was going to become increasingly important as the internet developed? So uh, this is this is actually an interesting s- story. So before I started on conversion optimization, uh, I was a software architect. So I was uh, helping some large Fortune 500 companies architects uh, their e-commerce websites. And the last project I worked on was uh, for Motorola. Uh, it was a fairly rough project, three months, 120 engineers. And I was traveling, really trying to help them set up the projects, uh, the cost, the, 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 uh, the server cost was about $17 million. The development cost was about $16 million, close to $35 million in, in, in total. And everybody was just really worried when they launched this website, are there enough visitors uh, coming to the website? Will they have enough people, eyeballs, come to the website? 
uh, lo and behold, you know, they launched, launched the website. We had 16 servers uh, just kind of to handle the traffic. And the first two hours, the servers go down. So tremendous number of visitors were coming to their website. So everybody's excited. You know, we've, we've done it. And then the next day we start watching the sales because ultimately that's what you want. You've spent $35 million. You really want to have some sales behind, behind the website. Uh, three weeks, and I think we've had less than 100 orders come through the website. That's it. You know, I just saw the light. I'm like, wow, this is exactly what I need to be focused on. I was ready to to change careers, make a different move. And I'm like, I can help companies actually increase their online sales. And the, the rest is history. That's crazy. That's awesome. So just out of pure kind of personal interest, just looking back on on that project and, and the site that they built, what was it that you think they had done so wrong to get such a low conversion rate from all that traffic? Oh, man, what didn't they do wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think uh, and it's like, you know, we've spent about a month optimizing uh, the website and we've actually managed to increase conversion rates. Now, at that point, it was just trial and error. There was no real A-B testing. Uh, but the one thing that actually like, you know, kind of like was a huge, huge, had a huge impact on their bottom line was the promo code they had, which they had placed on the cart page. Now, they were run, they were not running any promotions. However, they had this promo code. So people were adding items to their cart. They're going to the checkout, coming to the checkout process. And it was just released, uh, released before Christmas, the website. So people were like, you know, about to place an order. And then they see this promo code and they go searching, looking for a promo code. So their checkouts, abandonment rates were was just beyond horrible. Uh, just removing that promo code uh, actually reduced their checkout abandonment rates. If I recall, like you know, by close to forty percent, and they start recovering from from the low conversion rates. That's awesome. We had a podcast episode recently with uh, with a guy from uh, from Pouch who they do a similar thing. So as soon as someone moves to exit the site, they get a little pop up which gives them a promo code to fill in in case that's the reason that they've bounced out. Yeah, but obviously that you know that sort of thing was just I guess you guys were figuring that out the first time back when this was uh, back when this was happening. <laughs> yes, and, and you can imagine the the VP of marketing who had sponsored the project. Just that, I mean, I remember like you know standing there in meetings and he's just freaking out. He's like, "What the heck?" You know. <laughs> $35 million and we're not getting enough sales. And I, I can understand how much, I mean, like the amount of meetings that we've had after we launched the website with the top management trying to discuss what is wrong, why don't they have the sales? Because they were getting lots of uh, lots of uh, visitors to the website. And they would bring me in here, I'm a software architect, and they're like, what's going on? Like, we just merely like, you know, implemented whatever designs your agency, your creative agency came up with. So we really had nothing to do with it. But still, it was a really interesting challenge to go through the process and try and figure out what's actually caused the, the low uh, conversion rates. Thankfully, these days, things have moved away from like a $350,000 cost per acquisition. Um, and now you're working <laughs> with companies like eBay, right? Yes, uh, yes, we are. Uh, so eBay has been uh, a long term, uh, long time client with us. Uh, it's been uh, just really wonderful. I mean, like, you know, now you're talking about uh, this is a shift that we're seeing where now there are companies that have actually teams who are solely focused on conversion optimization, on actually increasing their website conversion rates. I think eBay is even more interesting because their their product team uh, has a main mission and a main focus of increasing the website conversion rate, which is really interesting. So it's beyond even having you know a team that focuses on conversion optimization. You're actually, even your product team now always is thinking, okay, how do we increase the website conversion rates? I guess that makes total sense. They've got traffic teams, they've spent a huge amount of time and energy on content and SEO. They've got all that 
kind of experience in-house, why would you then not make the most of the traffic that's coming onto the site? I guess it makes total sense, doesn't it? Definitely, definitely. And and the interesting thing, I mean, like, and, and the nice thing about working with, with companies like eBay is the amount of traffic and conversions that they get uh, per day is just tremendous. So it allows you to do things that you can't do with, with smaller websites. So you you get to experiment a lot, you, you know, to get to create different hypotheses, different, test them really quickly and see exactly the impact of, uh, of, of your testing. So when somebody like an eBay or, or a 3M, uh, you know, when these large corporates comes to you, what what are usually their goals? Are they looking to fix something that's broken, or are they just looking for any sort of improvement at anywhere in their in their in their um, in their kind of conversion funnels? So most companies come to us and they look at their website conversion rate. Usually they segment it. So they'll say, you know, our new visitors are converting, for example, at 10% and our returning visitors might be converting at 12, 14%. How can you help us? How can we move the needle? Um, many of the larger companies that have dedicated teams that have focused on conversion optimization, uh, usually they, after a while of doing it themselves, they get stuck. So they're looking for uh, a fresh, uh, you know, a pair of fresh eyes, to take a look at the website, analyze, give them more of a process and a methodology, guide them through trying to break through and increase their website conversion rates. So that's one thing. The other question that we're nowadays finding lots of companies focus on is, okay, so I've converted the visitor, but how do I retain them? So you're moving from uh, you know a single conversion into customer retention. And I think that's really where strategic conversion optimization comes in handy. That's really interesting. So we'll get into the kind of the, the I guess the the customer lifecycle optimization a, a, a bit later on. For just talking about like the front end changes and, and stuff that you'd make on on a large site like eBay. Obviously, you mentioned the the sort of traffic volume and conversion volume these guys are driving is absolutely huge. What are the, some of the most dramatic improvements that you've seen with with um, with changes in conversion rate optimization? So we, we've seen different things. So we've experimented, especially with e-commerce websites. Usually we try, try and focus at different areas of the website. So you're looking at either top of the funnel. So your, you know, your home pages, for example, your category pages. Uh, but sometimes we focus on bottom of the funnel. So product page, cart page, checkout. And really, I say nowadays, when you're looking at 2016, 2017, most websites have all the right elements on the page. I mean, if, they, if, if any designer knows what he's doing, uh, with just basic usability, they'll have the right elements on the page. However, the challenge and where they come in short or, or, or fail is actually structuring these elements so they are anticipating how a visitor thinks. And as they're doing that, they present the right information at the right time. Um, we were working with a client, a long time, long time client, they've been one of our clients since 2010. And they asked us to look at their uh, product pages and they're on an e-commerce website. And I told them like, you know, guys, everything is there. However, it's just all thrown in a way that's really a little overwhelming for the visitors. So let's restructure, clean up the page, a good rule when it comes to conversion optimization, when it comes to usability, less is more. So unless people really, really want the elements and they're asking about it, you're better off removing it. Uh, and people lots of times struggle with that because they think, no, 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 we need to give all the information. I'm like, no one ever thinks about this information. Uh, I'll give you a simple example. Go to many of the e-commerce websites right now and look at their product pages. You will see that they, for example, list the SKU, uh, the you know the product number. Well, how many times do we use that? Uh, you know, um, sometimes they ignore simple things like having multiple images. Uh, I've seen, uh, you know, I mean, like you need to have images, you need to have the ability to zoom on the images. Even more powerful, uh, we worked with uh, skis.com 
large website. And, you know, they sell ski equipment and many people shop, shop on their website and their high season, they get hundreds of thousands of visitors. And they've had the same pictures that every other website has. I mean, it's the same equipment, correct? Sold by different manufacturers. So we told them, well, how about you add video reviews of your own staff reviewing and using some of that ski equipment? And initially they were hesitant because they're like, well, you know, the additional cost that we have to go through and it's just a headache. And I'm like, well, let's take your top 100 bestsellers, you know, and even let's slash that top 50 bestsellers and let's record videos and see what impact that would have on your bottom line. And wow, the minute they did that. Now, since then, I think they've added, you know, product, you know, videos to almost most of their products. Uh, they saw the expense, but they saw the impact on their bottom line and it's been just tremendous for them. Yeah. Are you willing to share any numbers around that or just some typical numbers that people might expect if they add better product images and videos? Uh, product videos. So uh, this is interesting. and I'll, I'll get to some of those numbers. Uh, so I always say when you look at the page, there's different changes that you can make on the page. So there's what we call uh, element level uh, changes. So I'm changing the headline. Maybe I'm changing a single image with better quality image. And typically for those changes, you might see anywhere between 3% to 5% increase in your conversion rate. Uh, now there's what we call page level changes. So you're moving things around, changing the layout, anticipating what people uh, what people want and presenting them with those with those changes. Those you start seeing anywhere between 10 to 20% increase in conversion rates. The third level of changes is what we call visitor flow changes. Uh, so the, the best example I always give people and like, you know, just they understand right away is going from, for example, a single step checkout to a multi-step checkout. Those type of changes where you're changing how visitors are navigating and flowing through your website will have above 25% increase in your conversion rates. Now, for skis and adding the product videos, if I recall correctly, the impact was above 30% increase in conversion rates. Wow. So yeah, it, it was it justified. I mean, when, when companies make millions of dollars selling online, when you're talking even about a 5%, it's just a huge impact. Now, you, you're when you're talking above 20%, things like that pay for, for any type of you know optimization that you, you'll ever think about. Yeah, sure. That is crazy, isn't it? And, that, you know, it just baffles me when we'll be reviewing a site and they'll have one, like you said, one product image and it's a it's the image that's provided by the distributor. It's typically low resolution on a plain white background. You get no sense of the product whatsoever. It's like if you walked into a store and you just saw the product from one angle, would you buy it? No, of course you wouldn't. You'd pick it up. You'd have a look at it. You'd look inside it. I was reviewing um, a store that's selling luxury bags and they were just showing the bags, one picture front on. How many people buy a bag like that, right? They don't even know what the pockets are. They don't know the detail on it, nothing. It just makes no sense. Definitely. And I think this is an interesting example. So yesterday I was talking to a company that sells tours in Paris. Uh, so they're an American company and they sell you all these like, you know, tourism packages in, in Paris. And they had these pictures. Now, when I'm like, when I'm an American tourist and I'm thinking about paying for like, you know, uh, like, you know, as like a three or four day trip to Paris, I really want elegant images. I mean, the, the whole website narrative, and that's why I was telling the owner, I'm like, the whole narrative does not speak to elegance, does not speak to luxury, does not speak to fun. And like your images, your copy, every little detail need to send, you know, subconsciously those messages to your visitors. And it's not doing that. Thus, you shouldn't really wonder why you're only getting like 100 <laughs> conversions a month. You know, you're, you're asking people to spend like, you know, $10,000, yet you haven't invested more than like, you know, $500 on your website. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, that's classic. So um, 
you've you've kind of covered some of some of the areas there, but what what are some other areas where you visit a website and you immediately say, okay, this site has some low hanging fruit. I can immediately see some areas where they're going to be able to get some big improvements. I'm assuming things like making sure that product pages aren't too cluttered. But let's say we go on a a SaaS website or a or a service sure. company website. What are some things there that you'd think, okay, there's some definite immediate improvements to be made? So one thing I always tell companies uh, to focus on and will have an impact on their bottom line is a clear value proposition. Why should I buy from you versus your competitors? And think about like, you know, a SaaS website or a B2B lead gen type website. It becomes a lot more critical. Um, it's a bit difficult to talk about value proposition sometimes for an e-commerce website because the same products are being sold everywhere. But let's talk about, let's talk about uh, a SaaS, you know, service. Um, uh, yesterday I was looking at, a couple of days ago, I was looking at uh, switching from the uh, email software uh, that we're using at, at Invesp to a new uh, software, uh, a new software, uh, you know, SaaS basically software. And I looked at the top, you know, the different platforms that are available, uh, Drip, Active Campaign, and I'm looking at them and I'm like, man, I'm like, you know, they use these nice, catchy, titles, but they really don't emphasize their value proposition very clearly and left me confused because I was reading between pages and you're talking somebody about somebody who's very technical, comes from a technical background, who really understands marketing <laughs> fairly well. And I'm still, I'm like, you know, I can't really tell the differences, uh, you know, unless the differences are subtle, but their marketing team needs to be able to state their value proposition very clearly. So think about what distinguishes you. Why would a visitor buy from you from your competitors? So that's that's one thing. Something else you want to think about is continuity in messaging. Um, if somebody's coming from an external traffic source, let's say a paid ad campaign in Google, a social media post that you have, an email piece that you've sent to them, make sure that your messaging flows through. You're using the same language, the same designs, the same images. People want to feel that, okay, I'm on the right trail, correct? It's just like uh, it's, it's like a, having a scent. I'm following that scent. So you want to make sure that you are uh, you are following that continuous uh, continuous path for the visitors. And finally, think about the use of incentives. Incentives are really wonderful to really encourage people to actually take on an action. Uh, I would say there are three different types of incentives. So there's price incentives. We all know them, you know, 10% discount, $10 discount, you know, whatever it might be. So that's one way to do it. And it's a bit expensive, correct? You don't want to always be competing on price. There are two types, two other types of incentives. There is what we call urgency. Uh, the the best uh, the best option to think about urgency is you know Amazon is a classic example. You know order in the next two hours and get it delivered in you know in, in two days for you, or before Christmas, uh, or scarcity. Three items remain in stock. Now the best website that uses incentives. Uh, and I always tell people to look at that. Go to Orbitz, try and to book, try and book a ticket early January, and watch the the, the listing page of uh, all the different flights because they show you how many tickets are remaining. You know how many people booked. You know uh, the, 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 there's urgency, there's scarcity there. They do it really wonderfully well. So a really good way from taking someone who's just browsing flights because they're kind of interested, and all of a sudden it's got you thinking, oh, if I'm going to do this, I better book now because. I'm not going to be able to in 10 minutes if I wait. I love that. Exactly. And it's like, oh, wow, this is a really good deal. It's like, you know, $476, but there's only two tickets remaining. And the next price is going to go up to $700. No, I might as well act right now. 
Yeah, I love that. So how can, I guess um, that sort of scarcity can be quite difficult to build into say a SaaS or a service company. Is there any way that they could they could do that or is it just something that's going to be for e-commerce? Uh, no, I think you I can I think you can do it with with every type of website. Um, one of the products we're we're building uh, at, at my company is called FigPi. So uh, it's a it's a growth hacking platform. Includes A/B testing. It includes heat maps, video recording, and all that. So it's in private beta, and we've done something very interesting. So it's a SaaS uh, SaaS model, and we said, you know what? We're going to offer it in a, in a in a waiting list. So people actually give us their email, and there is a wait list before you can access the software. So the access to the software becomes scarce and people are actually emailing. It's like, when are you going to open it? You know, how many people are on the wait list? And you can do something really intelligent with that because we're telling them, okay, you're on the wait list. And, you know, every like once in a while, we open that wait list. However, if you'd like to move up the wait list, how about you refer two or three friends? And as you move people, as you refer people, you are actually moving up the list. So that's the use of scarcity tactics, really, and is benefiting, benefiting us of getting more subscribers. I love that. That's similar to, well, it's it's kind of taken it to the next level, but I was looking at Meet Edgar, the social mm. uh, the social media tool this week. And, and for that, rather than sign up, their CTA on their homepage is apply for an invitation, right? So you've got to apply for this invitation and then you get this email to say that your invitation has been approved. Well, you know, no, nobody's thinking, oh, wow, I, I hope I get my invitation. But at the same time, part of you is like, oh, you know, what if I don't? And as soon as you get it, you think, oh, you know, I feel I feel a little bit special. I better take them up on this offer. It's also something that we saw um, Spotify use, I think, to, to great effect when it first launched, because when it first launched, it was invitation only, wasn't it? But you invited your friends and, you know, that, that it was basically you were signing up for Spotify, but it was done through this invitation process. So obviously there, there's there's something there that that people have tapped into and then you've you've just taken it to the next level by helping people move up the wait list by inviting their mates that's just genius <laughs> definitely i think gmail did the same thing correct with the gmail invites initially it was also the same thing no one not, not everybody had access to gmail you know but if you have a friend who got access then they can invite you so it's, it's sort of interesting uh, are you familiar with the, for example seo book uh, aaron wall so SEO book as a as a community, SEO book had always basically subscription, but he would close it down and he will open it from time to time. I remember when SEO book was $50 a month and then it went to $100 a month and then it went to $300 a month, you know, and you have like, you know, a thousand people who are subscribed uh, per like, you know, so at any, you can imagine the amount of money is generating and, you know, you have a huge wait list uh, of people trying to get in. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Cool. Well, when we come back after the break, Khaled's going to give us his best tips for improving your own website's conversion rate, even if you don't have loads and loads of traffic and sales. Interested in learning more about digital marketing and want to access the latest ninja strategies? The Exposure Ninja blog is where we share some of our coolest stuff. So if you want to see behind the scenes of some real life marketing campaigns, find out what's working for us on the front line and keep up to date with the latest in digital marketing, head over to ExposureNinja.com forward slash blog. We update it regularly, at least twice a week. So if you want to learn more about websites, SEO, pay-per-click, social, Facebook ads, or anything else digital marketing, then head over and subscribe at ExposureNinja.com forward slash blog. Welcome back. Before the break, we talked about some large business examples and some very familiar brands. 
for smaller companies who don't have the traffic and conversion volume of someone like eBay or skis.com, is CRO still a viable route to take? Definitely. So there are certain things that you want to look at. One thing is how many visitors are you getting per month? How many conversions are you getting per month? And, and perhaps how many conversions you get per month really depends what will help you to a good extent determine whether you're going to be able to do A-B testing or not. Uh, ultimately, let me start by saying this. Every test you want to make on your website with the goal of trying to increase your website conversion rate, you want to conduct an A-B test. So an A-B test, basically, you create two designs, for example, and then this is kind of the minimum, the original design and a new design, and you split your website visitors between those two designs. So let's say you're getting 1,000 visitors, 500 will see the original design, 500 will see the new design, and then we compare for all those like you know two different groups how many sales how many conversions are we getting so you're really letting your visitors be the judge of the quality of those uh, of those designs in order for you to conduct an ab test you need to be able, you need to have a minimum of 200 conversions a month so if you're an e-commerce website we always tell people you know 200 conversions a month this way you, you split your visitors between the two different designs and you know you'll be able to determine quickly which design wins let's say you're even smaller than that uh, let's say you have only 50 conversions a month that's it and then what you need to do is say you know what I'm not going to optimize for somebody placing an order for my website. I'm not going to optimize for somebody subscribing, for example, my SaaS product or filling out a contact form. I'm going to start by looking at my homepage, creating a new design for the homepage, and I'm going to see the percentage of people that click from the homepage to our services page or maybe to our subscription page. So instead of looking at what we call a macro conversion, somebody actually placing an order with the website, we're looking at a micro conversion. So we're increasing that visitor flow from one step to the next is a bit slower process, but it's also a very fruitful process because you're really optimizing, increasing the flow from one step to, to the next instead of, you know, like uh, typically, let's say you have a thousand visitors and only 300 of them went to the services pages. Well, now you've optimized and now you have 500 people went to the services pages. So eventually those numbers are going to play play out and will have an impact on your bottom line. Oh, okay, got it. So we're, we're kind of lowering the barrier to we're, we're lowering the threshold. So where we get a, where we get a, a decent result by making the conversion goal, I guess, easier, we're, we're taking it further up the funnel. So imagine that I'm a small business owner, I'm running some Google ads, maybe I've got some organic visibility as well doing some social media, my site's getting traffic, of course, I'd like more customers. That's why I'm listening to a digital marketing podcast. How do I first go about identifying which pages on the site I need to improve my site's conversion rate? It, you mentioned the homepage just there. Would you always start with the homepage? I would actually give you a, a different way to, uh, to look at this. And I think, by the way, this is perhaps one of the most important questions in conversion optimization that people always ignore because they're always saying, what should I change? And I'm like, it's not about what you should change. Where should you start is even a, a more important question to ask because you can optimize everywhere, homepage, product pages, services pages, contact form, you can optimize all of those. And if you have unlimited budget, unlimited resources, please go ahead. But uh, if you're like the rest of us who are really working with small budgets, small teams, deadlines, then we wanna be able to focus and really start with the areas that will have the most impact on, our, on your bottom line. So what do you do? There are two things that you wanna do. First is listen to your visitors. So we always tell people we have a fancy name for it. We, we call it qualitative research. Uh, and, and really all it means is listening to the visitors. So we always like to launch some sort of polling where we're asking website visitors with a small, nice pop-up that appears on the side, 
asking them, is there anything that you're struggling with? Is there anything that is stopping you from converting? Uh, did you achieve the goal that brought you to your website today? And we actually let them give us their answer. Uh, typically, people are really generous. They are willing to share you know, the, their experience with you. You look at that data and you see what pages are people struggling with the most. That can be so insightful. You can change so many things. You can fix so many different things because they're telling you, I really hate your pricing page. I hate your services pages. Your headline doesn't make any sense to me. So they're really telling you what page you should like, you know, focus on and what you what changes you should make on the page, which is really incredible. So that's that's one approach. The other approach is you want to look at your analytics. Most people nowadays have at least Google Analytics installed on their website. So you want to look at analytics, look at the pages that have the most visitors, pages that people are exiting, have high bounce rate or exit rate, and see, let's say you have a page that has a thousand entrances, a thousand people coming to the page, and it has 70% bounce rate. That means from the thousand people who entered, 700 people decided to leave. That is 700 potential customers who said, I don't like this website. I don't like this page. I Maybe they don't trust it. Maybe they don't like the images on it. That's a separate question, correct? But now we've identified there is potential there. And I always tell people, if you're an e-commerce website, and let's take the same example, a thousand people came, 70% bounce, 700. And let's say your average order value is $100. I'm like, do the math. You know, that is just huge. You know, that this one page might be losing you close to $70,000. And people, the minute they start thinking that, they're like, wow, you know, I never thought of it this way. Because everybody tracks bounce rate and exit rate. But I'm like, these are great numbers. But take them and multiply them by your average order value, the, the lifetime value of a customer. And let's think about it. Let's take a look at those numbers in a different way. Yeah, that's when it gets scary big. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And it's scary nice, by the way, correct? <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, when you fix it, it's scary nice, yeah. Exactly. Um, really interesting about the um, about the qualitative research that you mentioned with the, with the little question thing on the site. One of the things that we've noticed, both with our own and with other, with other sites that we manage their live chat, is you'll often get people asking questions in the live chat, which indicate that there's something unclear about the page that they're on. So whether they're on a pricing page and they're saying, hey, you know what, we're um, we're in a slightly different stage of our business and we need X. And you're like, okay, well, that is served by this pricing page. But obviously, that's not clear enough to you. So we need to make that clearer. So I guess there's there's different ways of getting that qualitative research. You could also look at the just the support questions and the contact form submissions that you get. Why weren't people able to ask answer those questions for themselves on the website? Typically, it's because it's not clear, right? Definitely. I mean, if, if you have, let's say, uh, let's say you have a customer service uh, department, those, those customer service reps and sitting with them and asking them, so what are the most common questions that you hear? And then looking at your website and saying, mm, why don't we have answers to those questions? Why is it that people, first, they're not finding the answers. Then they're even, it's like in our website, it's costing them more because people have to pick up the phone, call us. Our customer service rep has to answer, so we're having to pay for a customer service rep. So wherever there is a chance, there's an interaction with a customer, there's potential to find things that we can fix in, in our website. Cool. All right. I want to talk about once we've identified the the sort of areas on our site where we can we can make the most improvement, it's time to look at the specific elements and what we can change. One of my biggest kind of pet hates and my bugbears with CRO software, particularly like VWO, I know I haven't tried FigPi, so I don't know if it's different, but is the focus on, you know, changing really small things. So everyone thinks CRO, oh, what is CRO? <laughs> it's changing the color of a button, right? And it's like, 
dude why are you changing the color of the button i don't even know where your business is based because your headlines are terrible so how do we kind of get over that let's look at the tiny little tweaks which we think are going to increase our conversion rates 50 percent. how do we find the big chunk stuff which is going to make a massive difference I, I, you know what i i have to first say that i agree with you i mean i think we've done a disservice to cro maybe and started maybe over 10 years ago because we were trying to convince people to do any type of testing and changes and just trying to convince them of a new field and we always said test 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 anything test everything it doesn't matter and then you know, and you have all these case studies about changing uh, the the color of a button and it's like a 200% increase in conversions. And I'm like, show me a website <laughs> and a real valid test where changing the color from green to red actually had even like, you know, a 10%. I mean, even if you can show me a case like that, I'm like, this is an outlier, you know? I mean, it's rare for anything like that to have a meaningful, meaningful impact. Now, what I, what I say, you've identified the page that you want to, basically say, you know what, visitors are leaking from here. The first thing about before thinking about what changes I need to make on the page, what you need to do is identify the conversion problems on the page. What is stopping people from converting, from moving moving forward? So typically we assess the page from different, and I think those are very helpful for everybody to think about. First thing that you wanna look at the page and assess, are there any trust problems on the page? Because if I don't trust you, if I don't trust your website, I don't care who you are. I'm not going to buy from you. I'm not going to convert. I'm not going to give you my information. I'm not going to even give you my email address. You know, So I'm going to run away. And when it comes to trust, we talked about value proposition, what is unique about you, continuity in messaging, having making sure that your, your message is congruent, having social proof. All these things play into really increasing the visitor, uh, visitor trust. Something else, which is kind of the opposite of trust, you want to identify what we call FUD problems, fears, uncertainties, and doubts. And we all have them, correct? You land on a website and you're thinking, is this the right website? You know, do they have what I have, what I'm looking for? Then you go to their services pages and you're thinking, is this the right service? Is it exactly what we need? How expensive is it? You're filling the contact form and you have different type, kind of FUDs. Are they going to really spam me? Are they going to respond to me quickly? You know, so different FUDs and different that come with different pages that you want to respond to. Now, the best way that you can deal with fuzz is through two elements and you want to look at them and assess also on the page do you have them we've talked about incentives because incentivizing the visitor to act and act right now will actually increase your conversion rate so you want to think can i add any incentives to the page you know uh, is there you know we talked about urgency or scarcity or price incentives and then finally which is i think one of the more difficult uh, factors that you want to evaluate engagement how can I engage the visitor? And this is extremely important if you want to go from that single conversion into customer retention. How do I actually, I was, I was wanting to ask people, how do you create a tribe around your website? Because think about this. If you are a small business and you have a tribe of a thousand people who are re who really love your brand, that's all you need. If you have a thousand, you know, customers who love you, who are willing to spend a hundred dollars with you per month, if you're a small business, that's a hundred thousand dollars, correct? <laughs> that's really incredible for many companies, many small businesses that would be like, hey, this is exactly what I what I want. But how do you engage people? How do you build that tribe? That's a very tough question uh, question that you want to ask. So those are the elements. They ultimately help you identify possible problems on the page. And when you identify those problems, then you start fixing them. You Then you start making changes. 
I love that. I love the uh, the FUD, the the, <laughs> the fizz on certain seasons outs. It reminds me of um, a technique that Gary Halbert, I don't know if you know, but it, old direct response, um, direct response copywriting. It, when he wrote a sales letter to people, he wrote a sales letter which got sent out a billion times selling these family crests or whatever. So, um, and one of the things that he would do is if he said, call this number, he wouldn't just say, call this number. He'd say, call this number and Laura's going to pick up and this is what will happen and this is what will happen. So there was absolutely no doubt at all. It's you're basically telling the 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 responder exactly what's going to happen so that there's no fear there's no doubt in their mind and then when it all happens you're building massive trust with them because everything has just happened exactly how you would describe and when i first heard that i was like why is he bothering to do this this just seems like meaningless detail but i guess it's exactly the same thing that you're talking about just in a really old school direct mail version and, and it works really well you're telling people what actions to take what will happen you know if they take that action and then you do it. And when you're doing it, you know, you're like, you're building that like, you know, confidence and credibility. We're like, yeah, you know, this guy delivers. And you know, it's just like all these subconscious messages that you're sending, direct mail or online, it works the same way, same human mind. And it's, it's really amazing, isn't it? Same human mind, yeah, I love it. We, we mentioned in our, in our kind of pre-chat, sometimes when a new website design goes live, the conversion rate plummets. Obviously, you know, just in the last, couple minutes you've probably given every listener about 10 years worth of work to to be getting on with but um when we're going through something as drastic as a as a website redesign how do we make sure that the new version is better and outperforms the old version straight out of the gate is that even possible <laughs> it's a tough one uh i have to tell you i mean i've seen this again and again i mean you can't imagine the number of companies over the last 10 years that we've worked with and they always come and like, oh, here's this new website design. We want you to review it. And I always tell them like, you know, I'm like, just be careful because as you launch a new website design, what happens is most people that convert and you can look at your analytics, the higher conversion rate is for your returning visitors. Those are the people who know the brand, visited several times, and they may might have converted once before, uh, contacted you once before, bought from you, subscribed. And you launch this new website design that looks a lot nicer. And if you know, like, you know, if you've hired like a good designer, maybe done like, you know, some research, you apply some good usability practices. So you're thinking to yourself, okay, we've done, we've done the right thing. You launch it and your returning visitors are just used to the, <laughs> to the old website. That's like, you know, crap. But it's like, really guys, you know, I mean, I've given you such a much better experience, but humans are creatures, uh, you know, of, of habit. We like, like, you know, I'm like bad things because you got, we got used to them. So it takes them a while to actually get used to the new design. Uh, so typically it's, it's a bit challenging. There, there is, um, and I'm trying to remember his name. I, I believe his name is Novo, who's you know very like a huge contributor to analytics. So the guy knows even conversion optimization. I mean, his books are just bibles when it comes to conversion optimization and statistics. And he launched a new website design, and he showed in his analytics. And this is back in 2007, 2008. And he's like, yeah our conversion rates dropped even after like, you know, he's like, I know it, I advise clients to be careful with it. And it happened to me and I just, I just laughed. So um, definitely you wanna, whenever you're redesigning your website, you have to do it very carefully. Uh, sometimes iterating uh, and instead of going from 
a revolution, a complete change. Sometimes an evolution makes sense, but this varies, correct? From one website to the next. Sometimes the website is so broke that you really have to remove it and come up with a new design. Uh, I gave example of the uh, Paris tourism <laughs> company uh, yesterday and they're like, we want to do conversion optimization. I looked at them and I'm like, guys, the website is so horrible. I would tell you, hire a designer, you know, make it look good and then we'll talk you know typically i don't do that but it was just i'm like this is so bad i don't even know what to tell you i'm like there's just so so many different things in it uh, and i told the guy i'm like uh, uh, my apologies but I, I don't typically say this but it's just you know it's just not gonna work you know so don't waste your money with us definitely want to be careful mark and spencer you know the the, the british company 150 million pounds and this is back in 2013 uh, on a new website design they launch it and their online sales plummet by eight uh, percent needless to say I, I think this was the most expensive website redesign you know ever you know 150 million pounds that's just crazy amount of money and then eight percent drop in sales and i think their stock actually like you know really got impacted i don't think it recovered since then so you want to do it carefully i'm not against website redesigns but you want to be very cautious about what you're doing experiment with a little bit of a b testing qualitative research that we've talked about so use all those insights to create your new website design and be prepared that the first three to four to six months, your conversion rates are going to go down. But if you're looking at it for the long term, you're looking at it in a year, two years, hopefully you, you've done things correctly and your conversion rates will go up. Yeah, I guess there's there's multiple reasons why people get a redesign. Some of the, well, often the, the companies that we work with, they're getting a redesign because they need better ranking and their current site doesn't really allow them to add content or stuff like that so in that case it's kind of a if you're gonna see a drop you just kind of got to suck it up until your existing audience gets used to the new version really interesting example that you gave with with marks and spencer because um in i don't know like the the uk market for uh for department stores is quite interesting and john lewis and marks and spencer have been quite quite close and, and quite competitive for a number of years and recently the the kind of perception is that john lewis thanks to their online presence has has taken the lead over marks and spencer and i look at the john lewis site and think this is pretty old this is you know there was a recent documentary where the the site went down um on the black friday or, or whatever you think why why don't they upgrade but i guess if they've got something that's working it's actually really scary to to kind of bin that and go for a new version which these are massive decisions. This is a fundamental decision. This is one of the most important decisions the organization's management will take, I guess, in its in its terms. So it's not an easy it's not an easy thing to do. Definitely. I mean, like, you know, uh, <laughs> I hear that sometimes from executives, you know, if it's aim broke, don't fix it, you know. Uh, and and I agree sometimes. I look at the numbers. So one thing that we do before we engage with, with any company, we have we have a large company from India that just reached out to us and they said, okay, we're ready to do conversion optimization. And I told them, well, first thing we want to do is look at your analytics, look at the numbers and really say, is there potential? Because sometimes you look at it and you say, you know what? Yeah, so we can work for a year and we might be able to impact you by like, you know, a 10% increase in conversion rates. Is it worth the investment and the risk as well? Correct, because there's definitely a risk. Nothing is ever guaranteed. And it's one of those things that people sometimes tell me, can you guarantee results? I'm like, I always tell them, <laughs> I, I laugh. I'm like, you know, sir, if I, if I can guarantee results, the line of companies that want to work with 
will be from here until the moon, <laughs> you know? So no one can guarantee results that you want to run away from anybody that guarantees results. So going back to those big companies, there is kind of the risk factor and the risk assessment. And it's funny, when you work with large corporations, there's actual risk departments that evaluate, even before making changes, sometimes some of these battles are really interesting, that evaluate the amount of risk that is going to be involved, actually, making the change and the impact on the bottom line and what is the potential uh, increase. And especially with larger brands, sometimes they say, you know what, yeah, you can change, for example, a cart page on an e-commerce website. But you know what, I mean, we're generating you know, four or five million dollars per day. And if one of your designs even as your testing reduces that, that will impact us on a publicly traded company. So what we do is we say, you know what, if you're a large enough website, let's test only with 1% of your traffic right. and see what impact. And then after we test with 1%, then we test with 5%, 10%, 25%, 50%. It's, it's a slow process, but you can understand with some of these larger companies that you want to do that. Yeah, I mean, it, like Marks and Spencer, a downturn of eight percent in online sales is probably hundreds of people's jobs. This is like this is real stuff, isn't it? It's huge. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think it's like an because there were some articles afterwards about the layoffs that they've had and the VP of marketing that lost his job as well. So yeah, I mean, it will definitely impact people. Yeah, awesome. Um, Khaled, this has been this has been awesome. I've I've personally really enjoyed this. Um, <laughs> I hope the listeners have as well. Before we go, I wanted to offer you the chance to talk about FigPi. Um, we've we've kind of briefly uh, alluded to various CRO tools, whether it's Visual Website Optimizer or um, you know on-site surveys and things like that. You've been working on a CRO tool of your own, haven't you? This is what FigPi is. So maybe you could tell us a bit about that and, and who it's for. Sure. So uh, what we've been doing over the years is using all these different tools and we're, we're still using them with some of our clients and we see the struggles. So basically what people have to do, what's websites and they're trying to increase their conversion rates, they install different uh, JavaScripts on their websites, different tools on their website, trying to really understand what people are doing on their website and they're trying to do A-B testing to modify the website. And as a result, all these different JavaScripts slow down the website and they give you contradictory information. So Google Analytics tells you you have 10,000 visitors and VWO tells you that you have 7,000 visitors. And when you do testing, you know, you find that there's only 4,000 visitors. And it's like, okay, so how many visitors do I actually have? So what we did with FigPi, we said, you know what, let's solve all these problems. So with a single JavaScript, you will be able to do A-B testing, You'll be able to look at heat maps for your website, video recording. You'll be able to launch polls also on the website. And even maybe the last feature, which is going to be very interesting, something that we've talked about. I have a page design. How do I evaluate that page design? How do I know what's working, what's not working? So at Invest, which is our consulting practice, we had about 150, 200 questions that we ask. Our specialists actually ask themselves as they're evaluating a page. And we're making that tool available to the public, to the companies who actually end up using FigPi. So it's asking them questions. And you look at the page and it's asking questions. Do you see, is there a clear value proposition? It gives you also answers. And this is the tool that we've used really and for the, for the last you know, 10, 11 years to help us increase conversion rates on our clients. And we're going to make it available as part of the FigPi platform. That sounds sick. Where can people go to check out FigPi? Because it will be... I think it will be out by the time this podcast goes live. So the plan is to go into into beta mid January, so they can go to our website, uh, fig f i g pi p i i plan implements improve fig pi dot com. Perfect. 
Hala, this has been really, really interesting. Thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything else that you want to tell people? Just some quick bullets which you can shoot straight into their brains to improve their conversion rates. <laughs> uh, let me. Well, I'm not going to say about quick bullets, but let me, let me, let me end up with this. I always tell people conversion optimization is a process. It's not a light switch you turn on and off. You have to be really committed to the process. Um, slow and steady, a lot faster than fast, and you know, and, and short and quick. Uh, so you want to be very careful, very meticulous, and try and understand. Think about the visitors trying to get to their heads. And it makes conversion optimization, increasing your website conversions and sales so much more rewarding, so much more fun because you're making all these assumptions and you're validating them. What are my visitors concerned for, concerned uh, with? What are they looking for? What brings them to the website? What stops them from converting and buying? What actually hooked them into making that purchase or conversion decision? As you start discovering, you start to get to know your visitors so much more and it's so much more rewarding, not only in terms of increasing sales, but I think it will impact every aspect of your business. Fantastic. That's awesome. Thank you for listening, everyone. If you've enjoyed this episode, then don't forget to head over to iTunes, Stitcher or wherever you found it to leave a review and make sure that you're subscribed. And I look forward to talking to you next week.